0: chapter 24 lightning luke Seventeen Twenty Four, for the son of man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other from the moment sin entered into our world god promised that he would send a rescuer to come and make things right That first promise said God would send someone who would settle the score with the snake who started this whole mess, and the promises didn't stop there. God told Abraham that the promised one would bless the whole world. Moses said the rescuer would be a prophet. The Psalms said he would be a victorious king and an eternal priest. It turns out that the whole Old Testament and the entire history of God's dealings with his people were one example after another of reasons why the people needed to be saved, all wrapped up with promises about the Savior who was going to come. For more than 3,000 years, the people of God waited longingly for the Anointed One, or Messiah. The thing is, when this rescuer finally showed up, they rejected him. How did that happen? How did God's people not recognize that Jesus was the one they had been waiting for? He fulfilled all those Old Testament prophecies perfectly. God had told people exactly which village the Messiah would be born in, and Jesus was born there. He said the Messiah would be miraculously born of a virgin, and as unbelievable as it might seem, that's exactly what happened. God said, out of Egypt, I will call my son. And it turns out that Jesus moved to Egypt as a toddler and had to come to Nazareth from out of Egypt. God said he would be David's son from the tribe of Judah. And we know that Jesus is directly descended from David and Judah through both his mother and his adoptive father's genealogy, because we have those records at the beginning of both Matthew and Luke. In fact, Since all the ancestral records were destroyed when the temple in Jerusalem was burned in AD 70, Jesus is the only Jewish person who can actually prove that he is directly related to King David and the tribe of Judah. No one else fulfilled all these qualifications. No one else has these royal credentials. And even so, they missed it all throughout Jesus's ministry, the people who should have been celebrating his kingship rejected him outright. Scriptures were being fulfilled. Power was going out. People were healed. Demons were on the run. Nature itself was bending and bowing to heed his every command. And yet they didn't get it. The high priest, along with all the religious leadership, dismissed Jesus. The people argued about him, but never really made up their mind. And even John the Baptist, who publicly announced Jesus as the Messiah, got confused and had his doubts. It's easy for us to look back at all of the people who lived in Jesus's day and wonder how they missed it. But that's probably not fair. The truth is, I miss him all the time. He's at work in my life, right now, today. He shows up, performs miracles, fulfills the promises of God, and still, I don't see him. I continue to struggle with the same old doubts, fears, and insecurities. In the end, I probably don't always recognize what Jesus is doing because he doesn't exactly fulfill my expectations. You see, I want Jesus to show up in my life and blow the doors down. Vaporize my enemies and solve all my problems in glorious, show stopping, hair raising fashion. But he's not like that. He's gentle and quiet with a still small voice. He's more subtle, so I don't always see him. Or maybe I don't always want to see him in all his humble subtlety. In Luke 17, the religious leadership asked Jesus when the kingdom of God was coming. And Jesus said, it's not something you can sit back and watch as it comes. It's not one of those things where you analyze signs, trends, and statistics in order to see it happening. Jesus said that the kingdom is supposed to be growing inside of you. It's not for studying. It's for experiencing He turned and told his disciples that one day they would be longing for the moment when he comes back to usher in the kingdom and people would be predicting all kinds of stuff. He told them not to listen to stories about him coming back here or there or at some specific time. Then he said, the son of man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things. And be rejected by this generation. And part of me is thinking, there it was. Finally, we get to the good stuff. At last, the Bible gives us the thing we really want to see. Jesus is going to come back. And this time, when he comes, no one will miss it. Paul says, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord. He will come back as a king on a white horse, victorious and powerful. Subtlety? out the door. Jesus said he would be like lightning. Lightning is powerful, dangerous, awe-inspiring, unmistakable, and it turns darkest night into instant day. Wow. That's the day we've all been waiting for. In fact, why couldn't we just skip all the other stuff and go straight to the lightning king, scattering his enemies with the sword of God? Jesus said, first, I must suffer. The promise God gave to Eve in the garden was that the rescuer would crush the head of the snake, but only after the snake bit his heel. Isaiah foretold the suffering servant who would bear our wrong and be crushed for our iniquities. We would be healed, but only because he would be wounded. John the Baptist called him the lamb of God. In other words, The one who would take away our sin by laying down his own life in pain and disgrace. Poverty is first rejection is first suffering and blood and death are first. You know, I've always kind of thought that the cross was just a landmark that had to happen on the way to the real story the lightning day, when everyone will see Jesus as King and really understand who he is. But it turns out that even then, the real story will still be this one who suffered for us. You see, in heaven, they're going to sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. In the prophecy of Zechariah in chapter 12, the Lord talked about that great day when the promised one will return and everyone will see him. He said, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. When Jesus comes back, everyone will see him. He will be like lightning. No one will miss the message. And from one end of the sky, clear across to the other, the story will be that God himself has suffered and died for the people he loves. For more, get to a quiet place. Read Luke 17, 20 through 25 and Zechariah 12. 10 through 14. Jesus always wants his death on the cross to be his story, even when he comes back in victory and glory. Why is that? What is he saying to your heart by keeping the cross the main thing? Are you eager for the day when he comes back? Tell him why.